Well, today I want to pick up where we left off uh, last week, and I want to continue even further. Last week we talked about the type of ground that you are. What type of ground are you? And before, maybe if you weren't here, um, or if you're uh, listening online or something like that, and you don't know what uh, I'm talking about, let me just explain this scripture, or read this scripture, and hopefully it'll shine some light on the question, what type of ground are you? Look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 3 through 9. It says, Then he spoke many things to them in parables. God Uh, Jesus on earth, he spoke in parables all the time. And this is the, the kickoff of these parables. And he says, behold, a sower went out to sow. He went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the wayside. Everybody say wayside. And the birds came and devoured the seed. Then some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. This was shallow ground. And they immediately sprang up, the seeds sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched by the sun, and because they had no roots, they withered away. Everybody say stony ground. And then in verse 7, we see some fell among the thorns. Everybody say thorny ground. And the thorns sprang up and choked the seed. So this seed grew up, it grew strong, but the weeds and the thorns choked out the seed. But verse 8, but other seed fell on good ground. Now everybody say it strong and loud, say good ground. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. I want to just recap briefly and then I'm going to go deeper, but this is the principle from last week and this week that you got to get. And normally, when you're preaching, you wouldn't just start off with the answer, but today I'm going to start off with the answer, with the main principle, the underlying tone of all of this. It's God's word planted within us produces results. God's word, when it's planted within us, it produces results. God's word, when we don't receive it, does not produce results. God's word, when we let the devil snatch it away, does not produce results. God's word, when we let the lusts of the world and the things of this world, um, when those desires are more important than hearing his word and growing in God, then his word does not produce results. However, when we're good ground and we receive the word as we should and we receive it openly and we work on our ground and we till up our ground and we work on receiving the seed, planting the seed, watering the seed, then God's word as seed grows in our life and produces results. Everybody say results. Say this statement with me. I think it's pretty good. Say God's word planted within me produces results. So here's the recap. Seed is always being sown. And faith comes by hearing the seed or hearing the word. And that seed planted, it's always being sown. There's always opportunities for it to be sown. So we look at Romans 10, 17. It says faith comes by hearing the word. We know that faith is important. Hebrews 11, 6 tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must have faith. Faith comes by the word. This is why it's so important that we hear God's word. He who has ears, let him hear. If you have ears... Let him hear, but obviously when, God, when Jesus said that, he wasn't just saying, you know, I mean, you can be any type of the four grounds. You need to be good ground. Well, what are the four types of ground? What type of ground are you? There's number one, the wayside. This is where they walked beside the field. Matthew 13, 19 says, they hear the word, but they do not understand or retain the seed, and the devil comes and takes it away or steals it. Seed cannot grow 
where the ground is too hard. See, you have to keep your heart soft and open to the word. If you're on the outside, seed can't get on the inside. Say amen. The devil wants to steal the word. If there's any agenda of the devil that's predominant, it's the fact that the devil wants to steal the word of God from your life. And that's what happened with this first ground, is people, people get hardened in their hearts. Their hearts get hardened. Their hearts get, they're, they're not soft and open to the word. They're closed, closed off to it and skeptical and uneasy because the culture's just, just skewed everything and made church so, uh, and so I don't really like it. And it just kind of steps on my toes. And I don't really feel like, and so I don't really receive the seed and it just kind of bounces off of me and the devil comes in and snatches it away. The devil wants to steal the word. And if he can't do it that way, if he can't make your heart hard, then what he'll do is he'll make you shallow. Like the second ground, the stony ground. This soil is shallow. The seed would take root quickly, but it has no root, so it won't last. This is explained in uh, Matthew 13, 20 through 21. We don't have to read it right now because I want to get to the rest of this. But here's, here's the principle that you need to learn here, that you must meditate on the word day and night. You must meditate on the word day and night. It it can't be shallow. It can't just be something, oh, that's a good word, pastor, and then that's it. You don't meditate it. You don't repeat it. You don't live it. You don't study it. You don't seek out revelation from it. You don't ask God, God, okay, I heard pastor on Sunday, but what does that mean for my life? You're just shallow with it. I mean, I'm I'm a good Christian, and I I go to church on Sunday, and I hear the word, and that's it. No, we got to be deeper than that. We got to be deeper than that. We got to be more, more expanded than that so that, that I hear the word on Sunday, yes, but then I take it further. And on Monday, I'm back in the word. And if pastor was on something on, on Sunday, then I'm back in it on Monday and I'm looking at it and I'm applying it to my life. And if it really ministered to me, if it's revelatory to me, if it blew my mind, then I'm going to keep it in front of me. I'm going to get the message. I'm going to get the podcast. Pastor, i got to get that. Can I get your notes? Can I get the verses? I want to write it down. I want to take notes while I'm... I want to be on the edge of my seat in the, in the sermon and, and, and getting every bit that I can because I need the word in my life. And I don't want the devil to steal it. That's the stony ground. It's shallow. And if the devil can't make you shallow, he'll plant some other stuff in your life which is number three, the thorny ground. It's very fertile ground where weeds also grew with the seed that was sown. This is verse 22. Jesus explains that he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke out the word. Put it in a chokehold. You ever seen somebody get choked out? where they, somebody wraps their hand around the throat, they push them up against the wall, and they cannot breathe. Y'all ever seen in wrestling, when they put their arm around them like this, and pull them back, and lift them up off the ground so all their weight is on their neck, and they can't breathe. Eventually they'll pass out, and if you keep the air going, uh, gone, and where they can't get air into the lungs, they die. He chokes out the word. It's not that the word's not there. It's not that you're trying it's, or that you're not trying. You are trying. You're listening to the word, but the, the deceitfulness of riches. What is that? That's the deceitfulness that, that hey, I'm going to seek the riches of the world versus the riches of heaven. I'm going to seek the things of the world over. The th- I'm going to lust after the things in this world more so. See, Matthew also tells us that we have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all those other things will be added unto you. 
And so he's telling us here that that's the third ground, that the riches of life and the lust of the flesh, they literally choke the word out. This ground promises fruit and produces fruit, but the fruit does not last. The fruit doesn't stay. The fruit can't, the fruit can't come. The results aren't there. Some of us, that, that's us, right? We, we wonder why. Why doesn't the word produce in my life like it does in so-and-so's? That's what I'm telling you with all this. That's why this word is so important, why Pastor Steve is preaching on it, and why I'm stealing as much as I can from him and trying to put it into you. Because listen, if we don't get the word in us, and we don't realize the type of ground we are, we may, be, we may be doing a lot of things right, but yet still not producing results. We've got to evaluate our ground. We've got to become expert landscapers with our garden. Then there's the good ground. Everybody say good ground. Matthew 13, 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. See, all of them heard the word. But this one received it, understood it, comprehended it, and he indeed bears fruit and produces. What's so clear here about this fruit to me, or this ground, excuse me, is that this ground is totally different than the other three. Everybody say totally different. What makes the good ground good? Well, it's not shallow. It's not hard. It's not compressed and hardened. It's not on the wayside. It's not on the outside. And it doesn't have weeds everywhere choking out the life of it. This is good ground. So I want to talk to you this morning to go a little bit further and to pick up where I left off that that these Uh, that this ground that we're talking about, this good ground, how do we become good ground? And more importantly, why should we, why is it so important that we be good ground? Why is the word so important? We must be good ground. The first key to having faith, to having great faith in our life, do you want to know what it is? How many of y'all want to know what it is? The first key, the first key. Couple of you, come on, y'all got to participate with me. Okay, everybody in here wants to know. All right, I'm going to tell you after this story. You know, Moses is a good example to us of a lot of different things. And if we look in Numbers chapter 20, you don't have to turn there, but maybe you want to write it down and study it this week. I'm going to recap because it's a long story. But we see Moses here, and he's come up on this place, and the, the Israelites are, are with him. He's taken them to the promised land. And they've done so much up to this point. God has showed up in his life in a number of different ways. You may know the story of Moses. If you think about from the time he was a baby, God has worked miracles in his life. He should have died. That was what happened to the Hebrew boys. They died, but he survived. God did a miracle in his life. His sister helped save him. Miriam helped save him. Miracle. He grows up. It's a whole miracle. God led him back to Egypt. Then God put him in place in Egypt. Then God ordained, hey, you're going to lead my captive people out of Egypt. God led him through that. God led him, gave him directions, and he listened and obeyed to all the directions. He went through the ten ten plagues. Then he led the the, the Israelites out and and ended up at the the sea. And and, 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 uh, um, the, the Egyptians were running with chariots chasing after him. Coming after and chasing him down. And in that moment, God told him to do what? Lift your rod. And when he listened and he obeyed, the seas split. And they walked on dry ground. And watched as the seas engulfed 
their enemy. So Moses saw all this happen, saw God lead him, give him directions and obey. And then we see him go even further. He ended up in a place where the, 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 uh, the Israelites needed water and God told him to strike the rock. And when he did, water came. But then in Numbers 20, we're seeing a little bit of a different situation because they've been in the wilderness for some time and they're getting frustrated. How many of y'all have ever been frustrated? And the Israelites are getting frustrated. They're, they're, getting, they're getting a little confused. As a matter of fact, they're turning on Moses and his brother Aaron. Miriam just died. She's gone now. Things are not looking good. And so in this moment where he needs the instructions from God, the people are coming to him and they're saying, listen, I wish we would have just died back there in Egypt. You should have just left us. We would have been better off dying there than dying here. Why didn't you just leave us? Why did you do this? Why did you put us through all this? And so Moses and Aaron, they go before the Lord, which is what I would have done. I'm like, God, yeah. all right, guys, thank you so much for the meeting today. Uh, I'll be back in a minute, and I'm going to go pray. And that's what they did. They went and seek God. Show us. Help us. Give us the answers. Give us the wisdom. Help us understand how we can, we can better lead these people. And so God gives them very clear instructions. He gives instructions to Moses. The Bible tells us that all the Moses and Aaron went before the Lord, that Moses received the instructions. Moses received the instructions. They were clear. God said, take your rod. That was his leadership staff. He said, take your rod. Now grab your brother, grab Aaron, and then gather all the people before the rock. See, the people were thirsty again. The water had dried up. Things were starting to dry up. And so that's what the people were really complaining about. And so God told them, gather the people around the rock again. And so uh, he told them, do that, then speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Last time he hit the rock, but he tells them this time, speak to the rock. And then give the people water. Those were the instructions. Take the rod, get your brother, gather the people, speak to the rock, give the people water. So Moses does it. He starts off pretty good reading the, reading the manual, reading the instructions, and getting, the, getting things in order. He gets his rod. He gets his brother. He gets the people together. And then he gets them together, and then here's where he starts to go awry. He starts preaching at them. God didn't tell him to preach. He says, speak to the rock. Why are you speaking to the people? He says, speak to the rock. I don't know what it must have been like, and I'm not even here to, to, to try to divulge all that, but all I know is that Moses did not obey. Then, for whatever reason, he decides to go back to what he did before, and he strikes the rock. Nothing happens. So he strikes the rock again, and this time God has mercy on the people and provides water. But then if you look at 2012, it says, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, because you did not believe me, and you didn't hallow me or make me holy in front of the people, because you didn't obey me, because you didn't listen to my word, because you got hardened, because your ground got messed up, and whatever was going on around you, you forgot all the things that I did for you, and all the words that I'd given you, and all the instruction that I'd given you, and you did not listen to me. In the eyes of the children of Israel, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. One moment of disobedience. Everything he had worked towards. 
everything that he had done because he didn't read the manual. Or he read it, but he didn't obey. He didn't listen to the manual. See, when God gives us a word, it's important that we take that word to the bank. When I get a signed check, I'm not taking it somewhere else other than the bank where I can get it cashed. When I get a manual that gives me instructions, I follow the manual. I'll tell you what, I bet I can do, I can put together Ikea furniture better than all y'all. Because I read the manual. And when I get Ikea, and Ikea manuals are hard. I don't know if you've ever bought Ikea furniture. I love Ikea. It's a great store. But let me tell you, the manuals are tough. And so you got to really get in there and read. you got to divulge. you got to read all the little fine print and the things. you got to go back to the first page and look at the, the map where all the, the parts are. Okay, this is part A, A, B, B, C, C, D, D. Which I don't know why they label them like that, first of all. And then you got to go back and you got to go to step 32 and put it all together. I'm telling y'all, I can do it better than you. Because I've read the manual. I've read the manual. I know how to put together the, the cube shelves from Ikea. We got two of them. I've done it twice now. I know. I read the manual. And in the Word of God, we have a manual. We have instructions. We have, we have uh, um, descriptions of how to survive in this life of how to be successful in this life. The Word of God is the most important manual you'll ever read. It's the most important manual, the most important instructions that you could ever get, ever gather. It's it's not just words on a page. It's life breathed from God. So the first key to having the highest level of faith, which is what this is all about, right? is that we receive the word, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing so that I can hear the word, receive the word, and grow in faith. I have to have faith to please God. So what's the first key? I've got to know that God's word is what it said it is. I've got to know and trust the integrity of God's word. I've got to know and trust that God's word is exactly what he says it is. You can put that on the screen for me, Chris. We've got to know and trust without a shadow of doubt that God's word has integrity. That, that first statement there, Chris, we must know and trust the integrity of God's word. You can put that on the screen just so they can all get it with us. We must know and trust the integrity of God's word. Say that with me. Say, we must know and trust the integrity of God's word. The Bible is God-breathed, God-indwelt, and a God-inspired message. It's written to you. It's a love letter from God to you. This is not some novel. The the, the Holy Bible is not just a novel. It's not just a a, a book that I can get off the shelf at Barnes & Noble and pay $13.95 for it and get a good little feel when I read it and then tweet about it and Instagram about it and say, oh, I love so-and-so's new book. No, no, no. This is not that kind of book. This is the kind of book that God breathed life into and that when you read it and it provides revelation to you because your ground is in a good place to receive the word and it produces fruit in your life, that it will change you. No other book, no other words written on pages in the history of mankind can do what the Bible can do. None. And yet we take it so lightly. We just flippantly throw scripture around. We just 
When the, when, when, when the preacher preaches, we just, you know, we come to church because we're supposed to, but then are you receiving the word? Or maybe you do take that part seriously, but then throughout the week, are you letting the devil steal it? Are you letting other things overshadow it? What kind of ground are you? Number one, we must know and trust the integrity of God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I want you to just pause right there for a second. That's what the word of God is supposed to do. I know that there's plenty of verses that make you feel good. And there's plenty of verses that will lift you up and inspire you. But it's also for reproof. It's also for correction. Everybody say correction. How many of y'all got corrected growing up? How many of y'all had stern parents or godparents, whoever, walk, whoever, whoever raised you, whoever helped you become who you are today? I'll tell you what, I love my parents. They are amazing. But they, they kept the household right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we followed the rules. We had rules. And we knew when we did not follow the rules. Somebody say amen. We knew. There were rules, and it was clear we got corrected. I don't know how you correct in your household, but I'll just say it like that. We got corrected. It was clear. I don't, I don't know if anybody can back me up on that. I see some smiles and some nods, but it was, and I'm, I, obviously my parents are wonderful. They did a great job raising us, but uh, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just trying to be funny a little bit. Uh, my point is just that, that the Bible provides guidelines. And when you get outside of those boundaries, when you get to the left or to the right, you got to know. Whenever you play the game Operation, everybody, you know, y'all remember the game with the little tweezers? And you go and you can't hit the sides of it or you get shocked. That's the word of God. Nope, not supposed to be there. Have y'all ever seen a dog do that in the underground wires? We had a dog like that growing up. And it was the funny, I know I love dogs and, 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 and all that stuff. Um, uh, and I, I'm not making fun of, of, of hurting dogs. I would never do that. But, you know, those things, those shock collars don't actually hurt the dogs. They're just giving them warning, all right? And so, if, you know, as long as you don't turn it up to, like, deathly levels, you can't actually hurt the dog. But you got to admit, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to watch or pretty funny to watch when a dog hits that for the first time and they got the new underground wire and they're used to being able to run wherever they can run. I can run anywhere in the yard. I can run to my neighbor's yard. I can run to Walmart and back. And then all of a sudden, the owner says, no, not anymore. And they put that invisible line under there, and they turn on the voltage. And they put the collar on there, and the dog says, ha, 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 ha. And he starts running out. And blah, 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 blah. What in the world was that? And he tries to go over this way. Blah, 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 blah. And finally, he realizes, I better not go outside the yard anymore, or I'm going to get shocked. Here's the good news. God's word doesn't hurt us. It helps us. And whenever God gives us a, a warning or a proof or a, correct, a correction, it's always in love. It's always in, 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 in you know, it's, it's when God corrects us. See, sometimes we get this confused and we think that, that uh, when we go through something, like let's say we get out of the will of God and, and um, we're in a mess and there's some sort of sinful situation or there's some sort of um, sickness or disease and we feel like that's God shocking our collar, so to speak. But I use that analogy on purpose because God's not a shocking fence. That's not how his word works. There's boundaries and there's, there's corrections, but he'll actually let you walk past it. 
He'll warn you instead of shocking you. No, 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 don't do that. Don't go out there, you're gonna get hit by a car. Don't go out there, don't, go, don't run out there, don't run past, don't get too far from home. You might lose your way and might not find your way back. You might not have food, you might not have water, you might not have shelter. Don't do that. See, that's how God's word works. And that's how his spirit works through his word. That's the difference. God's a good God. He's not a shocking collar kind of God. And his word is that way. His, it's the Bible is God speaking to us now and today. Think about that. The Bible is God speaking to me now and today. Right now. If you were to open up your Bible and read the word, God is speaking to you. He's speaking to you. God's word is actually, check this out, God's word is actually what it declares itself to be. We must understand that. We must know and, and, and be confident in the fact that God's word is exactly what it declares itself to be. So number one, everybody say number one. Say it with me again. We're going to read what's, if you put it back on the screen, we must know and trust. Put that back on the screen. Y'all say this with me. We must know. Come on, say it with me. Say, we must know and trust the integrity of God's word. Now, number two, we must expect God's word to speak to us. We must expect God's word to speak to us. This is what I'm talking about when you come to church. When you, when you study the word at home, don't just read the word because you're supposed to and you want to get the little checkbox on the Bible app that says, I read my Bible today. I would encourage you, actually, if that's all you're doing, read less and try to get something out of it. Read, you know, and I'm not, I mean, read as much as you can. I'm not encouraging you to read less of the Bible. What I'm saying is, is that if all you're doing is reading the Bible just to check it off the, you know, okay, well, I read Proverbs chapter one today because it's the first day of the month. That's great, but read it and try to, and, and receive from it. Expect God to speak to you through it. Well, I, I read it. All I had time was, was to read it, and I had to go to work, and, and, and that's all I had time to do. Okay, well, that's fine, too. If that's where you're at, then read it and keep it with you throughout the day. Keep that scripture with you throughout the day. Write some of it down or, or, or regurgitate it while you're at work or while you're driving or something like that and keep the word with you. Remember, this is what we're talking about is that we're not shallow ground. That it's not just something that I'm just reading it and then that's it. No, I'm taking it with me. I'm meditating with it. The Bible says to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide it in your heart. Hide it in your heart. Take it and put it inside of your heart. I need to expect God's word to speak to us. Check this out. Hebrews 4.12. I love this scripture. Love it. Write this down. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is what? living and powerful. Let me just expand on that for a minute. Mofart's translation says, that, says it this way, that the logos word of God is a living thing. Everybody say living. That means that, another translation says quick. The word quick there, have y'all heard that? Um, um, the, and, and people quote the King James a lot. They'll say the word of God is quick and powerful. Well, that word quick there actually means living. If you were to study out even further, different translations of it would read it this way, alive or living. 
The word of God is alive and living and powerful. That means it's, it's, it's alive. It's, it's active. It's living. That word powerful there means active. Not just power that, that uh, um, is, is, is available, but power that's active. How many of y'all have ever heard of Tesla vehicles? Tesla cars. Have y'all ever heard of Tesla? few of you. For those of you that haven't, they're electric vehicles. Real modern, real cutting edge, super cool vehicles. I'll be honest with you, if I have any dream car in the world, it's a Tesla. I'm just telling you, I believe in that God is going to bless me with enough finances to give millions of dollars to the local church, millions of dollars to other ministries around the world and to missions efforts, and buy me a Tesla. And my wife one too if she wants it. I'm believing because I love, I love Teslas. I love Teslas. I think that they are so cool. So cool. And I heard this story about Teslas because the interesting thing about them is they're all electric. And if you think back years ago, I mean, even when I was growing up, it was unheard of to have an electric car. It was unheard of. And, and as a kid, I thought, why not? Like, that's so cool. You just plug your car in, charge it up, and then you drive it. You don't need gas. It's so expensive. You just charge up your car, put some batteries in it. No big deal. Well, they couldn't do that. They literally couldn't do that back in the day. They did not know how. And the Tesla engineers and the Tesla scientists figured it out. Because these cars that were electric were super slow. And the trick was the fuses. The fuses could not handle the electricity voltage when they needed to accelerate. And so the fuses would blow, much like... Much like a breaker would blow at your house. Everybody had a breaker blow, right? And all of a sudden, the power's not going through your house. The power's still running to your house, but there was a surge, and now the power's not coming into your house because the breaker blew. The same thing would happen in the Tesla cars. The fuse would, would blow. The fuse would break. And so they figured out how to build these fuses that were high capacity, high voltage. I don't understand all the terminology, but the point is that when you punch the gas, it would go faster and it would move quicker and they would, they would, they would actually drive like a normal car because they fixed the fuse problem. This is so cool. When they were developing it, they needed investors. And this is the story that I heard. I think this is amazing. The, 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 the uh, developers... Would, would take an investor around for a drive in the car. And so they're driving around the Tesla and they show them all the other stuff first. They'd show them the, the, the bells and whistles, right? The technology in the car. They'd show them all that stuff and they're just driving normal, right? And they're driving around. They would get on an open freeway or somewhere and they would look over to the investor and they'd say, what do you think? Oh, I think it's great. I think it's great. And the investor would say something like, do you want to see what it can do? He'd, of course, the investor would be like, well, yeah. And so the, the driver would, the, the developer of the car would say, put your hands on the dash. And the, the, what? You mean to put my, yeah, try to put your hands on the dash. And as they would go to put their hands on the dash, he would reach forward. The, the driver would punch the gas. He would accelerate. And the car would accelerate so fast. It would go from idle to active like that, and it was so fast and so powerful that the, the, the investor, the passenger, could not put his hands on the dash because of the force of the car accelerating. How amazing is that? And if you think that's amazing, God's word is that active and that powerful times infinity constantly. 
There's no idol. See, you can be idol. You can be bad ground. But God's word, oh, come on, somebody. God's word is active and powerful all the time. It's active and powerful, alive and powerful. It's a living word that's for you and for me and for us today. It's spoken to me today. It's spoken to you today. And all I need is the revelation of how it applies to my life. All I need is to keep seeking and searching until I get the revelation that I need. Come on, church. Aren't you excited about God's word? All I need is the revelation. It's alive. It's living. It's powerful. It's sharper than anything. It's more powerful than anything. It's a better resource than anything out there. If I quote God's word over my life, it would do more than anything else I could say with my mouth. If I speak God's word over any situation, along with the name of Jesus, everything must bow. Everything. Every disease, every sickness, and that revelation that I have of my, my authority to do so came from the Word. The revelation that I shared with you earlier about giving came from His Word. It's not just something I dreamed up. I'm not Dave Ramsey. I'm not trying to tell you, oh, if you just budget like this and if you do the debt snowball, I think all that stuff's great. And that's good, uh, um, practical, natural things you should do. I'm a big believer in budgeting. I think that everybody should have a budget. Nothing wrong with that. But that does not surpass the fact I can budget all I want to do. But if I'm not obeying God's word and giving, then my finances are going to be a mess. Some way, somehow, I've seen it. I've seen people that have plenty of money, and yet they get a divorce and their wife take half of it. I'd rather have less money and stay married. I, I, I would rather have less money and not have someone in my business swindle me out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather have that. I'd rather give and obey God and trust God and know that, you know what? His word says he'll take care of me. And even if stuff like that were to happen, because I'm a giver, God says that he'll protect my resources, he'll protect my finances, and he will give back to me. See, that's revelation. You can't take that from me. That's down, that's planted in me. That's inside me. That's rooted. I'm not letting anything, you can't rip that. Have you ever tried to rip an oak tree out of the ground? Have you, I mean, if y'all, I mean, I want to see one of y'all. Go out there to an oak tree, bear hug it, hit, and pull it out of the ground. Do it. Do it. You will make headline news. You'll be on World's Strongest Man or Woman tomorrow. Make sure somebody films it, though, because you're going to go viral. You know what I'm saying? You can't do it. You cannot do it. Because the roots are too deep. The ground is too good. See, an oak tree is only going to grow where there's good ground, where it's going to get good water and soil. And if any of those conditions change, it dies. Because it has to have roots. The Word of God planted in your good ground will take root and produce results. We've got to be good ground. Our life is too important. Our mission is too important. The mission of this church is too important. We gotta be good ground. We gotta be life changing. We can't stay the same. We, if we want to change our lives so that we can change others, the word is gonna change it. The word is gonna change me. Come on, church. The word is going to change you when it gets on the inside of you, when it gets planted down in your spirit, and it gets planted down in your life, and it does something in you that you can't do yourself, and it does something in you that nobody else can do, 
in that book from C.S. Lewis, and I know it was really good, but it's not going to change you like the Word of God. It's not going to do anything for you like the Word can. It might give you a high, it might make you feel good. It might make you know, a really nice evening on the, on the beach. But that's going to be temporal. I'm not suggesting you don't read other books. I read leadership books. I, read leader, I listen to leadership podcasts and things like that. I like, I like all that. I like learning about leadership. But I can tell when I'm word-deprived. I can tell when my ground is missing the word. I can tell when it's dry and I need to till it up. I need to work on it and I need to plant some seed. I need to go listen to some preaching. I need to listen to some good word. I need to listen to, I can tell. See, what kind of results are produced? Well, the Bible tells us that there's fruits of the Spirit and they're listed in the Bible. Patience, long-suffering, if you're short on patience, what kind of seeds are you planting? If your life's not producing the fruits of the Spirit, what seeds are you planting? What's your ground like? Maybe you are planting good seeds, but your ground is not in the right condition. Number three, we must expect a revelation. We must expect a revelation. Well, that's not number three. That's an additional point. That's point 2B. You're welcome. That's just a little extra. We must expect revelation. I saw all the media guys in the back like, oh, wait, wait. Where's that one? We don't have that slide. Quick, make one. Make one. Expect a revelation. Read the manual. Don't just listen on a Sunday. Don't just read it like you read a novel. Read expecting revelation. Expecting that the living word that's full of power will reveal truth to you that you wouldn't otherwise know. Number three is follow the manual. We, we follow the manual. We follow. We must not only read God's word, but we must live God's word. We must not only read it. We must not only listen, but we must let the word plant in us, produce a harvest, and live it. you got to actually obey. You can't be Moses and when you do, you got to repent. I don't know how much time passed, but if I were Moses, I would have repented right then. He was gracious enough to still let the water come. He was gracious enough to still feed the people. But because of his disobedience, he didn't get to walk into the land. I would have I repented back then. You know, the good thing about that story is that's Old Testament. And we live under a new covenant. And whenever I read or, or, or expand upon an Old Testament scripture, we have to do it in the light of the New Testament. And the New Testament tells us that we have the Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, and direct us so that we don't have to make mistakes like Moses. We have his word so that when I read it and I study it, that, that the Holy Spirit will shine light on it and in my life, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord is the candle of man. Uh, or the Spirit of man is the candle, right? So it lights our inner parts. It lights us up from the inside. That's what God's Word does. That's what His Spirit does is it lights us up. It lights us up. It lights up the inside and says, hey, you need to fix that. And that's when we listen to the manual. That's when we follow the instructions. That's when we say, you know what? I've been doing that long enough. I need to change. I need to change. 
I need to, I need to, I need to quit. I need to, I need to adjust. I need to, I need to fix it. I don't know, pastor. I don't know. I don't know. How do I do that? How do I fix it? How do I, how do I adjust? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Well, how do I know that it's in his word? And that revelation has sunk down deep inside of me, taken root in my life, and planted there. I, I'm not just not just a fancy quote that I use. It's something that I believe. And I believe it for you. I believe by faith you can do anything, including fix whatever God's asked you to fix. What I'm trying to encourage you to listen to this morning, what I'm hoping you have ears to hear this morning, is that, is that when you don't listen, when you don't listen, it's like stepping out from underneath an umbrella. See, an umbrella is great as long as you're under it, and, in, and when it's raining, you're protected, but an umbrella doesn't do any good when you hold it like this. Unless you got your lovely spouse under the umbrella and you're protecting them. It doesn't do any good. you got to stay underneath the umbrella of God's protection. The Word of God, and I want to end with this, the Word of God is the final word. Say that with me. Say, the Word of God is the final word. Say it again like you mean it, like you're excited about it. The Word of God is the final word. It's the final word. You don't know what I mean when I say that? It's the final word. See, you might get a word from a doctor, but it's not the final word. You might get a word from the bank or from a debt collector, but it's not the final word. See, the final word is a superseding law. You know, there's, there's different laws that we live in. There's the law of gravity. How many of y'all have heard of the law of gravity? Raise your hand. Come on, y'all. Gotta, see, I'm making y'all participate. If I ask you an easy question like that, you're like, oh, man, i got to raise my hand. Okay. How many of y'all have heard of the law of gravity? It works like this. When I jump up, I'm going to come down. Unless you enter into the law of aerodynamics and the laws of flight and the laws of speed and all that other stuff that I don't understand because I'm not a jet scientist. But all I know is when I went to Bogota, Colombia, South America, I got on a plane that weighed thousands of pounds. I've flown in planes with my uncle. And the law of gravity was superseded by the flight of the plane. Because there's superseding laws that when they're enacted, the law of gravity is not in effect anymore because the law of aerodynamics over the wings of the plane provide lift, which I don't even understand how that works, but apparently if there's enough speed and enough wind and the angle of the, the, the wing is in the right place, boom, takeoff. And gravity, although it's still working, it's being superseded it's not winning over the plane. It's working. The law of gravity is not a lie anymore. It's still there, but it's being superseded by the plane. And the word of God is the final word. Man, I don't know if you got anything out of this message this morning, but I've preached a good message. I'm just telling you, I, I know I'm, I'm new at this and everything, but I'm just telling you, I preached a good message this morning. There was a lot in here. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you're listening to me and I hope you're hearing. I hope your ears are open to hear that the word is, is, is in your life for a reason. And the ground at which you are will determine the root at which it takes. And the seed of the word will produce in your life if you're the ground that will receive it. How do we do that? I'm just going to briefly recap and we're going to close. Speak the word of your life. Speak it. 
Speak it, speak it, speak it. Speak the word everywhere you can. Every way you can, every time you can, write it down and speak it. Get your mouth moving and speak the word. Study it until you receive guidance and direction from God. Hide it in your heart. Check your ground. Evaluate your ground. Evaluate your, 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 your garden. If it's not good, fix it. Work on it. Ask God to help you. Make sure you're open, ready to receive the word. Be in places where the word is spoken and be ready to receive revelation. Be at church. Be at Bible study if you can be there. I'm working on getting podcasts to you. As a matter of fact, we're recording one this morning and I'm working hard. If if everything goes to plan, I'll have this one out this week and we'll post it on social media. That means that you'll be able to sign up for a podcast and listen to the sermons throughout the week. I also know a really good preacher in Florence. His name is Pastor Steve. He's my preacher, my pastor, Pastor Steve McCart. Listen to his messages. Listen to his word. Pastor Reggie Scarborough in Lakeland, Florida. Read Kenneth Hagin books. Read books of faith. I gotta, if you need more, I'll give you more. These are, there's sources out there that are good Bible um, uh, uh, um, expanding sources that you can listen to. And when that word is thrown forth, when that seed is cast, expect to receive. Expect a revelation. A number, the, I don't know what number this is. There's just a bunch of points. The last one is protect your ground. Don't let the devil steal your word. Stand up on your feet. I hope you got something out of that. Use the word this week. Use the word. Use the word and and, and expect God to produce results. I'm expecting God to do it in your life. I'm expecting God to miraculously produce in your life because I believe that you're receiving this word. I believe that you're going to work on your ground, that you're going to work on these things and that that as, as I grow, you grow. If you got something out of this, say amen. 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 Y'all have a great day. Thank you for coming.